Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast where we love everything about the golden era of professional wrestling. And every once in a while, we get to dip our toes into the 90s. And today is one of those days. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and as always, I'm joined by the man himself, Tommy Fierro. Tommy, how was your week, brother? It's good to talk to you. Great to talk to you, man. So, yeah, we were supposed to have Lanny Poffo on the show this morning as we posted on our social media pages this morning. However, Lanny got his, uh, his phone stolen from him, and uh, he was trying to connect through his, I- his iPad. Unfortunately, he was not able to do so. He felt horrible about it. I just got off the phone with him. So talking about calling it in the ring, uh, Jay, we're definitely doing that today, but we lucked out big time because tomorrow is our ISPW show in Totowa, New Jersey. We'll talk about it more later in the episode. But I sent an emergency text message uh, to, uh, to someone that I've known for a really long time, a Jersey boy himself, and I'm really excited to have him and his partner on the show tomorrow. Mosh and Thrasher, the Headbangers, will be challenging for the ISPW World Tag Team titles against the Now, who were just featured in the NWA Crockett Cub last week, and so they're red hot off of that. It's going to be a really cool match, and without any further ado, we'd like to uh, welcome Headbanger Mosh, Chaz, to the show right now. Chaz, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing simply tremendous. How's everyone else doing? Awesome, man. Thank you so much again for coming on last second. We're really excited to have you up here tomorrow. Anyone that knows about the history of professional wrestling in this area uh, in New Jersey knows that, you know, Chaz and Glenn both came from New Jersey. They're Jersey boys, and they were trained by Larry Sharp. And, you know, gosh, I mean, there's so much history of independent wrestling in this state, and they were a big part of it back in the day. I guess to start off, before we start taking some calls, uh, we, I know you were trained by Larry Sharp, and I, I know your backstory, but for some of the people out there that don't, can you tell them real quickly how you broke into the business? Um, yeah, so I just, it was one of those things, the Monster Factory was literally like 15 minutes from my house where I grew up in Jersey, and was driving by one day, and it said, had the, 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 the truck on the side of the street that had hand spray painted pro wrestling tonight at 8 p.m., and I kind of just went in just to check it out. And um, Glenn and I started talking. He was the, the spider there. He was Larry's head trainer. He was their heavyweight champ. And Glenn and I knew of each other from high school because our high schools wrestled one another. And uh, we started talking. He convinced me to come down for a tryout. And um, he trained me. And everything there, I guess, as they say, is kind of uh, history. It kind of wrote itself. My entire career, I think, was meant to be because from that day forward, Things just, like, I don't want to say spiraled, but took off, um, rocketed out of nowhere. And it just everything that happened was, seemed to kind of be just uh, meant to be. Sure, man. Now, now I'm, I'm assuming you probably grew up a, a wrestling fan, right? Yeah, I grew up uh, watching. Um, I can still remember, you know, the first couple of WrestleManias. And I used to go to the Garden State racetrack to watch it on closed-circuit TV, uh, the WrestleManias. Nice. Uh, my best friend, my brother... Um, and a couple other friends of mine, we used to take the speed line over from Lindenwald over to Philly to the Spectrum uh, to watch. So, yeah, no, I was, a, I was a pretty big fan. I had all the, the LGN action figures when they first came out, those original ones. Um, yeah, so I guess you could say I was a fan. Now, I, I own a wrestling store in New Jersey, the Wrestling Collector, and we, we have LGNs and Hasbro's and stuff like that. Now you you probably grew up a fan in the, in the probably the late '80s 
uh, during that time frame. Besides LJNs, what were some of the other things you collected growing up? Um, that was pretty much it. I mean, I had some T-shirts. Um, I had, uh, of course, every kid who was a fan had the Hulk Hogan poster in their room. Um, I actually had that on the back of my door, so when I closed the door, it was there. Um, I had the, the, the wrestling buddies, the, the pillows of, like, the Ultimate Warrior, uh, the Macho Man. I had those, but I wasn't big into, like, collecting a lot of stuff. I was more of the I'd rather go and experience it instead of just having stuff kind of sit around, especially in my room growing up. I had to clean it and dust everything every week, and I realized what a chore that was to take everything off the shelves and have to, have to dust it and clean it every single week, so it wasn't a good time. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I remember, I remember Glenn as the spider back in the day when when Larry was running and, and and when you first broke in. How did you guys get together as as a tag team? Just just you know, just coming cool with each other at the school. I'm assuming. Yeah, we kind of just hit it off. I mean, I was only training three weeks out at the school when WWF, WWE, WWF at the time came in town for WWE superstars. And Glenn took me, and three weeks into training, I was in a WWF ring wrestling Adam Bomb and Papa Shango. And, you know, we roomed together. We traveled together. We just hit it off. I mean, his wife at the time, my girlfriend at the time, hit it off. And we just, we just became, like, really good friends immediately. And then he had hurt his back and taken some time off. And when he came back, he presented me with this idea of tagging with him and at that time, you know, Glenn was the trainer. He was the man down at the school, and everyone wanted to be around Glenn or be with him. So I was like, yeah, this is amazing. Of course I'll do this. And so we started out as the Spiders, and um, my first belt ever was Larry's WWA belt. And, um, yeah, then we went to Memphis. And like I said earlier, everything kind of took off from there. So, you know, me going to the school, Glenn and I hitting it off, and the, the way it happened, it just was kind of meant to be. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I and I remember that time frame too, growing uh, coming up as the Spiders, and you also had a, you didn't you do something in, when ECW before it was Extreme Championship Wrestling too? You did something with uh, the Rottens or something like that, I think, right? Yeah, we did one spot with them, and I don't know if this a hundred percent accurate this the story I'm about to tell you, but this is the version that I had heard. Um, so yeah, so we had went to Memphis, we came back from we were in Memphis with USWA, we came back. And then we got close with Axel. I mean, Glenn knew Axel, but Axel and Ian actually roomed with us in Memphis for a little bit before we left. And then they went to ECW, and then they called us, and they're like, hey, we want to bring you guys in and have you work us, and then we're going to work a program and all this other stuff. I guess behind the scenes, and again, this is the part that I don't know if it's 100% accurate, um, Paulie and Larry had some heat. And we had went in, we, we, we worked the Rottens, we put them over, and then after the show, word got back to us that um, the comment we heard from Paulie was, wait till we see what I do with Larry's boys. And um, so from that point, we just kind of never went back because the last thing we wanted to do is go somewhere and just be messed with the whole time. So, sure. again, sure. I don't know the 100% accuracy of that part, but that was the reason why we didn't go back. Now, at, at, at that time when you did that one thing with ECW, was Dennis and, and Larry still – together at that time or at, they, were, they were separate at that time right um i think they were separate um i didn't really it's funny i was around all of that but didn't really pay attention to it um which is part of i guess i guess i found myself doing my career was that the politics side the business side of the business i never paid attention to which looking back was probably a mistake 
but yeah, I didn't know, really didn't realize there was heat there because again, I was more focused on just trying to learn, um, not get in trouble and then kind of watch my ass and my back at the same time because there was a lot of jealousy um, going on around the Monster Factory because Glenn kind of took me under his wing and we kind of left. Uh, so yeah, I didn't pay attention much to that, but I don't think they were together. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I tell you what, this is this is a really funny episode, Chaz, because now my 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 co-host has disappeared. <laughs> I'm texting him; he's not answering me. He's not talking to me. <laughs> on, uh, are you on here, Johnny? Okay. Because uh, Mosh was so nice to save us from what our show was going to be, I had to go in and I had to retype the show description, and so I was doing oh, that cool. live. <laughs> while you guys were talking, but now I'm done. I've hit enter. It's out there for everyone to read. So if you're listening live, the phone number is 516-595-8295. You can talk live to one of the uh, former tag team champion of the World Wrestling Federation, Headbanger Mosh. And now that I'm done typing and I can jump into the conversation, one of the questions I have is one of the things that makes a performer stick in the minds of fans is of course their in-ring ability, but along with that is how they present themselves. And the headbangers had such a unique look that fit into that nineties feel so well. I would love to know, how did you guys settle on the look that became so iconic for your team? Um, it evolved. It started in Smoky mountain. Cornette came up with the gimmick. Um, he presented us with this idea because at the time we were still wrestling as the Spiders for Burt Prentice out in Arkansas. The goal, our next goal was to try to get to Smoky Mountain because that was another gateway to WWF. Um, so Cornette called us and he's like, hey, I'd like to bring you guys in. He goes, but I hate the masks. Um, I had this idea. He goes, I went to a, this is going to be funny. I went to a, a Glenn Danzig concert. He goes, and there was this crazy opening act and he was wearing a dress and makeup and all this weird stuff and piercings. And there was people like diving off the stage and, you know, they were beating the shit out of each other. And he goes, just the way you guys are, your mentality and, you know, your personas and the way you act and the way you talk from the Northeast, because I think it would be, you know, it could be a good fit. It turns out that the person he was talking about was Marilyn Manson. So imagine Jim Cornette at a Marilyn Manson concert. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so he gave us the idea, and uh, he's like, not that I'm expecting you guys to go and get all tattooed up and get earrings and wear skirts or makeup and all that stuff. He goes, just letting you kind of know, you know, what it is. And I said to him, I said, I know exactly what you're talking about because I used to go to the bank in Philly to go to the underground shows, and I've been in the mosh pits. I've been in the middle. So I like that type of music. And I'm like, so I know exactly what you're talking about. So the first couple TVs we did – for Smoky Mountain, we just showed up in shorts. I think I had work boots on. Glenn had sneakers. And Cornette, the very first TV, gave Glenn a Metallica shirt, and he handed me a Slayer shirt. And he goes, here you go. And then he had uh, face paint, and he literally dipped his fingers in the paint and just, like, streamed it down our cheeks. And he goes, there you go. And that was it. And we didn't know our names or <laughs> anything. All we knew was we were the headbangers. And he goes, I think you're going to be Mosh and maybe Slasher or something like that. He goes, I don't know, we'll figure it out. And that was it. So <laughs> um, we did a couple of TVs. And then the, the problem with the outfits was the fact that that's when PG-13 was big all through Tennessee. So I said to Glenn, I go, first of all, we got to get new stuff. I go, but we got to be something different because PG-13 wears T-shirts and shorts and sneakers. 
So sure. we're just larger versions of them is all we are. So we were walking through the thrift store looking for stuff, and I just wandered off down the, down to the women's section, and I saw a skirt, and I'm like, that looks pretty cool. I put it on. I walked out. I walked down the aisle, and Glenn looked at me, and he goes, no, absolutely not. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> it's different. It'll set us apart. Let's just buy skirts. We'll buy one each. We'll see how it works out. I mean, I said, we're, we're wrestling in, in Knoxville. We're in the Bible Belt. I mean, this has got to get some kind of heat. It's got to get us over or at least notice it differently than anyone else. It's going to set us apart. So that's what we did. I can absolutely each bought a skirt. Um, we went to the show. We got tons of heat. I mean, we had shit being thrown at us and, I mean, cups of soda, beer, and water. And, I mean, the stuff we had being thrown at us was ridiculous. We got in the back, and Cornette came over, and he goes, where did you buy those? I'm like, the thrift store. He handed us each $20. He goes, good, go buy more. He goes, you wear skirts from now on. Nice. (laughs) And, yeah, so that's how the skirt started. And then just from there, we kind of just evolved it into our personalities. And I think that's one of the things that's missing with the business today is it's kind of cookie cut. And Glenn and I had, you know, the six months we were in, in Smoky Mountain to figure out the gimmick. And then we went up to Baltimore with MEWF and MCW to build the gimmick. And then we went out to Detroit for a little bit. So we had a good year and a half um, of just creating who, how we wanted this to be um, before we got to WWF. And then once we got to WWF, you know, we had a bigger stage and a bigger opportunity just to continue to grow it into ourselves. Because, I mean, Tom, you've known us a long time how we are in the ring and our personalities and the way I'm talking to you guys right now, this is me every day. Yeah. Um, I do, you know, I do business. And when I do business, my other job that my full-time job I have now, when I meet with people, this is just how I am. And it's, it's my brand. It's who we are. And we kind of build it that way. I think that's missing in the business today, but to answer your question, yeah, that's kind of how it happened. It just evolved over the years. That's awesome. We we had a call, but I I got one more one more quick question for you. Now that first time you wore you wore that and you went out there and you got that heat at Smoky Mountain, very, I mean you guys were young too. You're probably in your early twenties at the time. When, when you get back to the locker room after the first time you did it, you had them saying, "Wow, we we have something here." Yeah, no, definitely, especially even like the boys, because when we first got in the locker room, I mean we were in the locker room with the Rock and Roll Express, um, Dirty White Boy, Tracy Smothers, Cornets in there. Um, you know, like D'Lo was still there. So we're in the locker room, you know, the heavenly bodies were there. You got Al Snow, um, you got, you know, uh, Kane's in there, Unibom, when he was Unibom. So we got all these guys looking at us like skirts. We're like, really? Like, what the fuck is that? And by the time we came back there, we're all like, holy shit, that was gold. Like getting the reaction, (laughs) not just from the crowd, but coming back and the boys, especially, you know, like I said, Ricky and Robert and Cornette and, you know, um, um, you know, the, the heavenly bodies, getting a reaction from all of them, just kind of reiterated, like, we got something here. Now we just got to figure it out. That's fantastic. And that whole look, like I said, just fit perfectly with the feel and the culture in the 90s with kind of the punk rock vibe, like you mentioned Marilyn Manson, and just that kind of vibe was big. And so you guys came along with that look at the right time because it totally clicked with the fan base. When you made it up, the World Wrestling Federation, did anybody have conversations about maybe tweaking the look, or they loved what they saw and they wanted to put you on TV just as you were? Well, they put us on, when we first got there, we had the part-time contract, so they put us on as we were as the headbangers. 
but we all know Vince likes to create his own people, his own characters. Right. So that's when Vince tried having us do the Flying Nun thing, the Sisters of Love, um, which, you know, we, we did one shotgun Saturday night, and then a couple weeks later they had the, the, the Sisters of Love getting getting arrested for staring in the Disney store at little kids. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so then we went back to the headbangers, and it just, no, everyone, actually the only piece of advice I really got from anyone was at one point I started letting my hair grow out, and I'll never forget it. We were in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and Barry Wyndham came up to me, and he said, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? He goes, what's with the hair? And I go, I don't know. I'm just going to let my hair grow out. And he goes, why? And I said, I don't know. I said, just, I don't know. He goes, you guys have a look that's unique. He goes, you have merchandise coming out. You got action figures coming out. You got T-shirts coming out. He goes, they're going to have to redo all of that. He goes, and they're not going to want to do that. He goes, go home and shave your fucking head. And (laughs) I went, oh, like that hit me. And I went, I never, again, I never thought of the business side of wrestling. I always just thought, you know, this is what it is and this is fun and it'll kind of take off. Um, that's probably the only piece of advice I really ever got. Um, we, you know, just got extravagant when it was a, when it was a pay-per-view, we tried to do something bigger than before. Like the, our first pay-per-view, which was WrestleMania 13, we went out and got fishnet stockings. Um, and then when we, the match, the ground zero, the match, we won the, the, the belts, we went out and bought wedding gowns and dyed them black. Um, just, we were like this, every time we were out there, we wanted to do something different because what ended up happening for us was, fans were coming up to us and like you said this was that time when punk rock and you know things were coming out personalities were changing the scene was changing so people weren't were awkward with that change but when they saw us on tv wearing what we were wearing it helped them get more comfortable i can't tell you how many times um to this day that fans will come up and go thank you because you made it cool to be different um, like we, I always had this different feeling inside and nobody accepted it. But then you guys came out and I was like, Oh my God, if they can come out, they can do what they're doing. And it's okay to be different. So that's when we kind of started changing it into, listen, it doesn't matter if you have piercings, tattoos, you wear a skirt, just be you, just do whatever you want to do. As long as you're not hurting anybody, then who cares? Be yourself. So again, slowly it just kept evolving into something else. Well, it definitely is all about making connections with fans, and you guys definitely did that. Speaking of fans, we got some calls waiting on hold, so we're going to jump in to some interactions with fans right now. We're going to go down to Atlanta, Georgia, and talk to a friend of the show, Joe. Joe, welcome back to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. You are live with Headbanger Mosh. The Headbangers were featured in a PlayStation video game that I no longer have, Mosh, but... It was pretty cool, and it is kind of interesting for me to ask you, do you did you ever play a video game with the Headbangers in it? Um, oh, hell yeah. Um, I still have all of them, and uh, Glenn and I, we would joke around on radio spots um, and say, listen, the greatest thing about a video game is, first of all, you're immortal. You live forever in the video game, but we could play with ourselves all day and never get sticky or messy, so it was amazing. Yeah, I I I don't no longer have it, but it was PlayStation and it was like Raw or something. But I, it was a good game, and I remember you guys were in it. Um, yeah, it's kind of the, the cool part about it is I have a son now. Um, but when he, he he's going to be eighteen, but when he was younger, I would I pulled it out and 
when he was first getting into video games, he would play it, but he was always the Undertaker beating my ass. So it's like it's <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> In WrestleMania six, Hogan versus Warrior, who did you root for? Um, I was torn. I remember I was torn. Um, and in the back of my mind, I always thought Hogan would win. Um, but I was pretty much voting for the Warriors. Yeah, but for some reason, I always thought Hogan would pull it out because that's what he always did. But, no, I was a huge uh, Ultimate Warrior fan then and um, was definitely rooting yeah. for him over Hogan. Nice. Yeah. Um, what would you say, if of all the wrestling matches that have happened, I'll, I'll tell you, Hogan versus Warrior, Hogan versus Andre are two of my favorite time matches. Do you have a one or two that – and I'm just making sure I'm posing the question right. Not that you wrestled in, but as a fan, that that you say these, this match or these two matches are just the best. Right. So basically you're saying matches that weren't mine then. Is that what you're asking me? Because, <laughs> yeah, of course, my yeah. matches are going to be I'm making stopped. it. We're all fans. Yeah, I just want to know. It's always interesting to learn what do you think was one of the best matches ever. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite matches ever was Macho Man and Steamboat. Um, I mean, that's probably a lot of people's. That's classic. Um, I actually really enjoyed, and I found this after the fact of going back, because when we got to Smoky Mountain, Cornette gave us a tape, and he said, I want you guys to go back and study this tape and kind of take moves and things you see and incorporate it into yourselves. Um, He gave us a tape of the Midnight Express. Um, So a lot of the matches with the Midnight Express and then versus like Rock and Roll Express, um, they did those Starcade matches. A lot of them, the tag matches are the ones that I enjoy um, the most. Um, but, you know, the, the Steamboat, Macho Man stand out first. Uh, but a lot of the old school um, NWA, those Starcade matches with, you know, Midnight and Rock and Roll. And then, you know, when the, the Road Warriors came in, a lot of those um, kind of stick out. Yeah. Yeah, the Macho versus Dragon, um, that was like my introduction. I was, you know, probably five years old. I got, I got to watch WrestleMania three on a, on a big screen in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And my dad uh, was rooting for Macho Man. And it was fun at that time because Macho was a bad guy in that match. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that that wasn't the beginning of me watching wrestling. So, yeah, I, I'm with you there with Macho versus Dragon being a lot of people say that. Yeah, that's Macho is actually uh, Macho Man's actually my favorite um, all time. If I had to pick one, it would be him. He's my favorite of all time. And then when I went up to WWF three weeks into training, um, he was still up there doing commentary. And I had a brief encounter with him. That was one of the most amazing things ever. So what happened was I was, again, training only three weeks, and then to go up to WWF and then see your name on the board wrestling Adam Bomb is kind of uh, – it's a little scary. Um, <laughs> so I'm in the back, and I'm pacing, getting ready to go out to Gorilla, and I hear him coming down the hall, and he stops, and it was just him by himself. And uh, he looks at me, he goes, and that raspy, crazy voice he has, that – I always thought it was a gimmick voice until I met him that day. Um, he said to me, first time here, kid? And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, oh, he goes, you're going to do great. I'm like, thank you. 
And he goes, you know what? He goes, I have nothing going on. I'm going to stand right here by the monitor, and I'm going to watch. And I was wow. like, no. I'm like, no, please don't do that. Like, no. And he's like, I got nothing else to do. It'll be fine. Um, so I went out there against Adam Baum and was trying not to laugh the entire time. Um, got thrown to the floor, clothesline on the floor, got the wind knocked out of me, thrown back in. I mean, it was amazing. But when I walked to the back, he was standing right there like he said he would. He put his arm around me, walked me down the hall, and he said, kid, one day you're going like to make a lot of money in this business. He slapped me in the head and walked off. Wow. Only <laughs> that is cool. I ever had with the man. But, That's I, awesome. I mean, he, yeah, he was my favorite growing up, but then to have that interaction with him, I mean, just was ridiculous. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, Joe from Atlanta, thank you so much for calling in and asking questions that led to that awesome story. Uh, we hope to hear from you next week as well, Joe. Okay, guys. Take All care. right, thanks, Joe. Have good mosh pitting. <laughs> next up, we're going to go down south to Texas. We're going to talk to first-time caller Matt. Matt, welcome to the show. You are live with Headbanger Mosh. Hey, Headbanger Mosh. How are you doing, hey, Matt? Man? What's going on, man? Good. What part of Texas? Uh, uh, I'm in San Antonio. Okay. Do you get any of those uh, tornadoes and all that crap that's been whipping through there? No, it's kind of like more uh, like just west of Dallas, actually, that that's happening. Okay. Very good. Yeah. But, uh, man, gosh, I was just listening to that last. <laughs> Dude. That guy stole a lot of my questions, Heather. Um, shit, dude. That, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, but that was really awesome, man, uh, to hear you say that. Like, because uh, Macho Man was my favorite, too, man. Like, that was just the coolest story. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, just to hear that, man. Like, uh, I kind of, like, uh, I rank guys on uh, their respect for Macho Man, dude. So... My respect for you just shot, shot through the roof, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, being the uh, Savage fan that I was, dude, uh, like you said, uh, you know, you guys rarely, rarely cross paths. So, um, you know, I'm, like, just getting into your collection and stuff. Or over the last couple of years, man, I've really gotten into your matches, you know, uh, with the network and all the, you know, DVDs coming out and stuff. So it's really cool because, you know, I was like a WCW guy when Macho was there and only WWF guy when Macho was there, you know. So it's cool catching up on uh, on uh, a lot of your work. Man. You guys are awesome, for sure. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, the network... Um... I know it's got a lot of negative buzz from a lot of the boys still there and things like that before. I guess people like myself, it's kind of kept us alive. Um, it kept, you know, it helps with the indies, you know, that and the YouTube, um, you know, because you can go back and kind of watch. It's funny because every now and then I'll go back and I'll flip through something. And I'll be like, oh, I totally forgot about that. Um, somebody actually just posted on Instagram. I saw it this morning. Our match with Davey Boy and Owen the day after WrestleMania 13. Not that I forgot about having that match with them, but I kind of forgot right. the type of match it was and, you know, and what we did and how the finish was. Um, so, yeah, so the network's kind of cool, kind of keeps us alive. Totally, man. Yeah, uh, like I was able to go back and uh, I think I'm on my, like, second or third run of, like, that era with you guys. 
uh, I missed, you know, when it was actually happening, you know, because right. uh, staunchly WCW guy at the time. So, <laughs> but uh, it's really cool, man. Well, well, thank you so uh, much for calling, man. We appreciate it. We got a couple more calls coming in, but uh, we appreciate you calling in the show. Oh, for sure, man. And, dude, yeah, legendary story, man. Awesome. Thank you for having me on. Thank you, man. No, thank you. Hey, uh, Chaz, before we get to the next call, I want to say something real quick. I'm, I'm actually in, I'm in my store right now. I'm going through some old WWF programs from the late 90s, and it's really cool, man. That, that I, I'll give it to you tomorrow when I see you if you don't have it. Um, the old merchandise catalog. It, it, you guys are on the front page of it. Uh, body swimming. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, that was fun. That that shows right there, like how over you guys were at a time. And this is during the, the. I mean, gosh, right in the middle of the of the boom period for them. And I, I got to say this. I'm not saying this is to be biased because you're Jersey guys, but I don't think you guys get enough credit for how over and how big of stars you were during that time frame. Uh, I, I think no. that you guys. Good. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, I interrupt you. I'm sorry. I was going to agree with you. I think we were um, um, highly – like we had a couple of T-shirts made that are on ProWrestlingTees.com that say headbangers, and it says um, underrated. I think we were big-time underrated, um, and, and I don't know why. And I'm, uh, I don't know the exact reason why. I don't know if it's because, again, Vince likes to create people. Um, but there is one point where – and, you know, Vince likes to create people. He didn't create us. He didn't create the character. Um, I don't know if that's just because DX was so big at the time. Um, but there was, there was one summer where JR came up to us and he said, listen, he goes, every time you guys do an appearance for, like, ticket on sales and stuff like that, like, it sells out. He said, you know, we get, we get more people there with you doing an appearance than anyone else. He said, so we're taking you guys off the road and we're just going to have you do all personal appearances. And at first we were like, oh, this is great. But then we were like, well, we're not going to get house show money now. And he's like, no, no, you're still getting paid if you're on the house shows. So we're like, oh, great. This will be easy, you know, easier on our bodies. <laughs> Little did we realize we'd be on the road 310 days that year. Um, but, um, yeah, I, for some reason we don't get the credit. Um, I'm not sure why. Um, but at the same time, I don't, I don't care that much. Um, I got to live out. I look at it this way. I have really have no regrets and, you know, I got to live out a childhood dream. I have my belt hanging behind me. I have, you know, nine or 10 different action figures with more on the way. I'm on video games. So I can't really complain about it. Oh no, absolutely not, man. You guys had an awesome career. I'm just saying I, I, I've been to some of the Jersey shows you guys are at for WWF at the time. And I mean, you guys got, you know, uh, I'm not even blowing smoke up your ass. You guys got rock star reactions, like tippity top of the, the line, you know, pops as, as far as like the, you know, the, the guys that were as, as over as anyone in the company, you guys were right up there, at least up here on the East coast. So I just, I just think, I don't know, man. I think like when you guys had that run and, and uh, those couple of things in SmackDown you did uh, back, you know, what was it? 2000 and what, what year was that? 2016. Yeah. 2016. Like, I thought, yep. You guys, you guys were so TV ready. I thought that they would have resigned you guys. I thought that you guys could have contributed greatly to the product. I don't know, man. I just, I just think that they dropped the ball on you then. I think they dropped the ball on you guys now. I know that you guys had great runs. I, I just, I looked at you guys as like really, really, really over characters that they could have did a lot more with. You know? Yeah, I think part of it also may have been, and this is just in my head, that maybe we were a little before our time, maybe. 
Yeah, um, because when we were there, when we were there, that's when they brought in, you know, they brought the Road Warriors back. Um, and then right when Glenn got hurt is when they brought the Hardys in, um, you know, Edge and Christian, and then the Dudleys came in. Um, like, if Glenn was healthy, I think our part in the, the tag team scene would have been a lot better because we would have been more involved with all of that. But then when Glenn got hurt and he came back so far out of shape, it kind of pushes back to the bottom of the pile again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was definitely fun. Um, I think one of the, the biggest pops I remember, you bring up jerseys when we walked Christy Whitman out uh, oh, yeah. for, for SummerSlam. At Continental Airlines Arena, I was there for it. They, they for had it. us walk. It's funny you say that because they purposely had us walk her out because they were afraid she was going to get booed. So they figured with us standing next to her, she would not get booed. <laughs> <laughs> if it was just if it was just Glenn standing in a store, they, she probably would have got booed though, right? <laughs> she would have got booed out of the building. <laughs> That's All funny. right, gentlemen, we got a handful of callers still hanging on hold, uh, and so we're going to jump into the next one. Longtime listener, longtime caller, always brings good stuff. We're going out to Tommy's neck of the woods to catch up with Total with Tom. Tom, welcome back to the show, brother. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone? Good morning, Toto. With Doing Tom. tremendous. Doing well. Who are some you of are live with Headbanger Mosh. Yes, thank you. Headbanger Mosh, what tag team yes, today would you guys wish you could have uh, faced off against? The tag team today. Hmm. It's going to be. That's going to be tough for me to answer, only because I don't watch the product that much. Um, so, I mean, I think it would be fun for, uh, what's it? The new day only because I kind of know them. Um, I mean, I would be great to work, um, only because I know Riddle and I know Randy Orton and I know they've been doing some stuff together. Um, but like, I don't really watch AEW or anything, so I don't, that, that would be tough for me to answer. Um, I know that parties are still out there. It was always fun wrestling Matt and Jeff. Um, I'm sorry. I know that doesn't answer your question. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. Have you seen the uh, tag team? They're now known as FTR, but they were known as the Revival when they were in NXT and WWE. Have you have you seen them? Because to, for my you know um, two cents, they seem to bring back an '80s style of wrestling that is not um, done anymore. And I was just wondering what you thought about them. Um, I know who they are. I know who you're you're, you're speaking about. Um... I may have seen a couple of their matches back in the day. I know when we went back to WWE and SmackDown in 2016, one of them made like a comment on social media about bringing us old guys back while those guys sat in NXT rotting away. Um, yeah, no, they, they do have a, a good look. They actually, when I did see them before, they kind of remind me of um, the Andersons. Uh, they have that look to them. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to, to working them. Um, I just, again, don't really watch the product, so I don't know much about. So, here's a follow-up then. Uh, follow-up question: When you guys, uh, you know, were working, what tag team did you find was easy to work with, and conversely, which tag team did you find was not easy to work with? Um, the easiest for us was the Godwins, um, because they were such characters, um, and with our our personalities and our character um it just meshed really well um and we worked each other so much that we just knew what each other were going to do and then we 
when we dropped the belts then at the pay-per-view, I'll never forget this. We sat down with Jerry Briscoe, and Briscoe was like, all right, so here's what we're going to do, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, so what do we have for a finish? So Phineas and I looked at each other, and I was like, look, I'll come off the top, catch me, powerbomb me, pin me, one, two, three. And we were like, all right, see you in the ring. And Jerry was like, that's it? We're like, Jerry, we've been working each other six months on the road. Like, we don't even have to talk anymore. Um, so that those matches were always fun. We did these country whipping matches with them, which were hysterical. Um, and we beat the shit out of each other with those country whipping, um, those whips. Um, DX was always fun. Um, the most difficult ones to work with were Doug and Phil. They just, I know they were big in Japan, but their personalities over here were just so blah. Um, and their work was very, I mean, they were stiff yeah. in the ring, but then again, I'm stiff. So, uh, that, that part didn't bother me, but they were just blah to try and get over with the crowd because they, they had no reaction to anything, if that makes sense. Perfect sense. Cause they were talented, but they didn't have it. Right. Well, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night at the uh, Totowa Arena, the ISPW Arena. Awesome. Nice plug. I like it. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> and good luck against the now. Awesome. Thank you. Looking forward to it. All right. As long as we got colors on hold, we're going to keep taking them. Chaz, are you, still, are, you, are, you, are you still okay for a little bit, Chaz, or no? Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm All good. right, cool. Yeah. All right. We got two callers waiting on hold. We're going to stay. The first one, we're going to stay in the New Jersey area. First time caller to the program, Mike from New Jersey. Welcome to the show. You are live with Henry Banger Mosh. Uh, glad to be here. Good morning, Mosh. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? Looking forward to seeing you tomorrow night with Thrasher against the Now, man. It's going to be a big one. Awesome. It's going to be a good time. Absolutely. So you had just covered some of your favorite tag teams to work with, uh, which, you know, always cool to hear who you guys like enjoyed working with and who you had more of a challenges working with. Um, wanted to ask you about some of your headbanger uh, WWF career, especially teaming with uh, D'Lo and also the infamous Beaver Cleavage gimmick. And so what were you your thoughts know? when they first pitched <laughs> that to you? Um, well, the – the beaver cleavage thing was interesting because Glenn was hurt. I was sitting home doing nothing. Um, and I had never really wrestled singles. Uh, the only singles matches I ever had was the couple, you know, squash matches on WWF TV. And I think three of them down at the monster factory before Glenn and I started tagging. So I was excited about that uh, because again, you know, I've never wrestled singles. So I was looking forward to that. The part I didn't like about it was the girl that they put me with, um, her and I just didn't get it. We didn't click. And Mm -hmm. this probably is one of the regrets I have from being in the business. You know, back then, if they put a female with you, you were getting a push because that's what they were selling. They were selling the sex, and they were getting the push. Um, the good part was my head was buried in her boobs every single night. You can't complain about that. <laughs> um, again, the bad part was is we just didn't click. Our personalities didn't click. And I kind of tried coaching her when she first came into the locker room to stay to yourself. Like, don't get known around the locker room for doing certain things. And I'll just leave it at that. Um, yep. She didn't listen. And, you know, then everyone started talking about her. So that kind of changed my mind about her. So my entire goal at that point, um, after they squashed the whole beaver thing, was to do everything I could to get away from her. 
when in hindsight what I should have been doing was just embracing it as a again not looking at it as a business I should have looked at it as a business and embraced her and then Glenn and I had always joked around about having a girl with us and she'd be the banger babe and with Glenn coming back if I would have embraced her during that whole thing like with him coming back we would have had a banger babe um and then we would be able to battle with you know um Matt and Jeff, because they had Lita, and then when Ivory mm-hmm. came in, you know, when they had all these girls mixed in with all these mixed matches, we could have been part of that, but I was too focused on the fact that I just couldn't stand her, and we didn't get along. Um, so that was that. And then the whole thing with D'Lo actually is um, interesting, because <laughs> how we found out is is very interesting also, because so, again, Glenn came back, and wasn't in the best shape. And Vince has this thing in his mind where if you're off for a certain amount of time, you better come back in better shape than when you left because I'm paying you to stay home and do nothing but work out. Well, that was just the opposite of Glenn. He came back way worse, um, which is his story to tell. But anyway, we got kind of, that's when they gave us the tones and we weren't really being used and we were putting everyone else over. Um, so we showed up at TV. We're in, we're in Connecticut and the run sheets there, and I was standing there with, you know, D'Lo and I have known each other also from since high school, So, but we came up, kind of came up together with Smoky Mountain. You know, he started with mm-hmm. WWF right after we did. So, you know, D'Lo and I have always been friends. So we're, we had went to the gym, we came back from the gym, and it was the three of us looking at the run sheet for the night, and we see Mean Street Posse versus Lowdown. And all three of us were like, the hell's a lowdown? There's an, and I instantly go, oh, another fucking tag team? Like, sorry, I don't know if I can say that. Um, <laughs> like another, like another tag team? Like this is bullshit. And then meanwhile, Shane McMahon's walking behind. He's like, oh no. He goes, you guys don't know. We're like, no. He goes, Chaz, Dilo, you guys are now lowdown. Um, and Glenn, we need to talk to you later. And all three mm-hmm. of us just stood there. I mean, you want to talk about an awkward moment of finding out? Yeah. Here's the guy who trained me who, you know, brought me up. If it wasn't for Glenn, like, I would have never gotten to where I was because there's no way at that point in my life I would have moved to Memphis and did all – I wouldn't have done all the things we did by myself. Um, but, yeah, so that's how we found out about Lowdown. Um, and then I got up on stage, and I had my earrings in and everything, and Bruce Pritchard looks at me. We're on the gorilla. We're getting ready to go out, and he goes, take your earrings out. And I went, why? He goes, because we want nothing mosh out there. He goes, you are now Chaz. And I, I turned, I looked at D'Lo, and I go, who the hell's Chaz? I didn't know who Chaz was. Chaz was this happy <laughs> kid from New Jersey who was trying to, he was getting blamed for beating up his girlfriend at the time on TV. So I was like, who the hell's Chaz? Um, so it was weird and it was awkward. Uh, but D'Lo and I, you know, kind of figured it out and came up with some stuff to do right away. And we both have a love for the business, and we both love the idea of, of this new tag team, and we embraced it. Um, and then they brought in Tiger Ali Singh. And yeah, that was my next question. Yeah, so they the, brought uh, the they association brought Tiger with Tiger in. Ali. The association was they they were paying him a bunch of money. They needed to figure something out with him. Um, I guess they felt there was a piece missing from for D'Lo and I. Um, and then we, I guess, we were like, okay. And D'Lo, in my mind, we said, well, he's getting paid a lot of money. So they're going to push him. So, yeah, let's do this because then we're going to get a push. Um, we just didn't realize that push meant wearing turbans. And, again, <laughs> again, looking back, 
um, and realizing a lot of things. Because one of the things I never did up there is I never said no. Whatever they wanted me to do, I said yeah. We always said yes, 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 yes. Looking back and hearing different things, there's a, a few things I should have said no to. Um, and from what I understand now and talking to, like, and, I, and I'll throw it out there, road dog, about it, a lot of times when we would have said no, like the respect level we got in the office would have been different for saying no than just saying being yes men to everything. But in my mind, I'm like, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Like, this is my job. This is what I'm here to do. Um, but looking back, and D'Lo and I have spoken about it, we probably should have said no to, to like, stayed with Tiger, but just said no to the turbans. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we did a, a handicap match against the Dudleys, and Tiger Ali Singh goes over the top rope and hurts his neck, and then we're the first tag team ever to be taken off the road because our manager got hurt. And then that was it. We were never brought back. Hmm. That was, I guess that's kind of the story of that whole thing. Wow, that's a lot of information to take in all at once. But uh, appreciate appreciate all the work you did. One of my best friends growing up had a Real Men Wear Skirts t-shirt and wore it to soccer practice every week. Uh, and, <laughs> awesome. you know, was really excited to see you guys uh, back on SmackDown in 2016 and agree with uh, Mr. Fierro that, you know, it just seemed like a missed opportunity. But we're, we are more than happy to see you challenge for the ISPW Tag Championship tomorrow night. Awesome. Definitely looking forward to that. It's going to be a good time. Thanks, Mike. We'll see you tomorrow in Totoa, man. Definitely, Tommy. Take care. Thanks, Mike. So, Tommy, All right. I saw one of your, so, Tommy, one of your videos you put out the other day, um, I don't remember what it was, but you started, like, on our action figures in your store. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. I was like, whoa. I'm like, that's a good set of looking action figures you got right there. <laughs> and, and I got you right up on the main shelf, too. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of my Jersey boys, man. <laughs> that's funny so Mosh before we take the last call you mentioned earlier that wherever you're sitting at your house you have the world take team championship belt hanging behind you and you guys had the classic what I would consider the best take team design belt they've since gone away from it but you guys had the classic one that is near and dear to all of us it, yes I know wrestling storylines, all that stuff. But as, as a wrestling fan and somebody who grew up in this profession, winning that signals that at that point in time, the company has the belief in you guys to carry the ball for the tag team division. In, in real life, what does that mean to you as a performer when you win the highest championship in your sport? Um, uh, I mean, it was amazing. Um, to be thought of from the company, um, you know, to be, you know, basically you're considered the best in the world. Um, and then, you know, we all love, Tommy will tell you, we all looked at the, the, the rankings, you know, PWI rankings every week in, in the magazine and stuff. And we were always number two because that's when um, um, Scott and Kevin had the WCW tag belt. So they were ranked above us. Um, sure. But, no, to have those belts and to be able to walk away from them is, you know, clearly one of the very few highlights of, of my wrestling career. Um, I, I'll put it into – I'll put it – I guess putting it into perspective is this way. So, Road Dog, when he won – when him and Billy won the belts, Road Dog had never won any major, any major titles. So, when he won those belts, he – 
joked around saying, if I ever win a belt, I'm going to, I will wear it all over every day, all day I'm going to wear it. <laughs> so they won the belts and I didn't have the balls to do this, um, but he's going through security at the airport and the thing kept buzzing, just kept buzzing. The, the, the metal detector kept going off, kept going off. <laughs> so he's standing there and he goes, Oh, I wonder if it's my belt. And he lifts his shirt up and he's got his belt underneath wearing it through the airport. <laughs> um, that is one of the things that, I mean, that right there just says it all. Um, it's one of the greatest things. I always said that no belt will ever go higher than that belt until I did a program with my son called the Indian Slash Adventure Guides, and I became chief of the nation, and I ran the whole nation. And when the outgoing chief, they give you some kind of award. They give you like a plaque or something like that. But they actually went out and had a belt made for me, um, Oh. And it says world champion chief of 2015 has my name on it. Like it's an awesome belt. Um, that's very that's cool. the only belt. That's the only belt that goes higher than my WWF belt only because it has something to do with my son. But yep. it's one that's of the, understandable. it's one of the, it's one of the greatest. Well, let me ask you this. When it comes, when you win a championship, do you automatically get to keep it and hang it on your wall? Or is that something that you either have to ask for, or they ask you if you want to keep it? How does that work? No, you, when you lose the belt, you hand it to the person. You just, you know, you lose the belt and you lose it. It gets passed on. Um, I kind of acquired my belt. <laughs> so <Okay>. my belt <laughs> is, my belt is the, and Tommy, I'll tell you this off the record tomorrow. <laughs> <That's how I laughs> um, but my belt is the actual belt I had when we were a tag chance, because I can tell by the broken buckle and we tried hot gluing it together to fix it and sure. everything. Uh, but it's the actual belt that I had. It's not a replica. Um, it's the actual belt. That is very cool. Well, we have one more call who's been hanging on the line this whole time. We're going to fly out to sunny, or at least I hope it's sunny, California, and talk to longtime caller of the show, Brian the brain brian welcome back to the program you are live with former tag team champion mosh hey great to talk to you jay great to talk to you tommy and uh mosh thanks for all the entertainment this hour i learned a lot about you um and uh you're very well spoken and great stories my friend thank you thank you i appreciate that yeah, I think you were really on the cutting edge of uh, the grunge uh takeoff with uh, I mean uh, Kurt Cobain was wearing a skirt uh, possibly after you guys. Uh, I don't know the time frame exactly, but uh, Pearl Jam and uh, and Soundgarden and uh, Nirvana were all really taken off. And I think you guys were smart to to tap into that and and uh, and really run with it. And and like you said, I think you were ahead of your time in that. So uh, job well done. Um, were there creative minds that you worked with that you put above all others, like Jim Cornette, Brother Love, uh, Vince himself? Uh, who were the guys that you thought were that stood out as far as uh, the, the best minds in the business that you got to work with? Uh, well, I mean, Cornette would be hands down the, the best ever um, for a couple of reasons for us. I mean, you know, obviously presenting us with the headbanger gimmick, but he's actually the one who – went into Vince and said, hey, I got these two guys, you know, they live in the area, um, we're going to be doing TV, you know, I'd like to bring them in, you know, have you take a look at them. And Vince was like, tell me about them. 
So Cornette started telling telling him about us, and he's like, oh, he goes, the spiders, they've been up here before. And Cornette's like, yeah. And he goes, just put them under a part-time contract. Um, Nice. So Cornette, just from his mind and his help that he gave to us, is just, um, to me, is just amazing. Um, You know, I don't have anything. I know a lot of people have negative stuff about Vince Russo. I have nothing negative about Vince Russo. He was very helpful to us. He was – a big reason we were getting the push we got. Um, he was the reason I was allowed to, when we started doing, when we were the first ones to come out and start making fun of everyone, um, dressing like when we dressed as the Dudleys, we dressed as the Mean Street Posse, and, you know, we made fun of Jericho's hair when he first came back. Um, we were the first ones to do that. He allowed us, you know, the freedom to, to do all that. The only negative thing I have with Vince Russo is when he left, any, and any storyline he was in charge of got squashed. Um, and unfortunately, we got squashed with that. Um, I, we didn't have a lot of um, interactions with Vince McMahon other than offset. Um, but as far as storylines go, again, I don't, I don't know how much he was involved with him because I, at that point, wasn't sitting in production meetings. Um, Bruce Pritchard was amazing, um, especially, you know, when we got that one run with him with Brother Love. But he was always in talent relations, and he was our guy that we went to. Um, but, yeah, most of it was just a lot with the boys. When I was there, the good part was it was the, – the best part was here's an idea, go run with it. We were just given an idea. We weren't – and we said, okay, go, 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 go make it you and go do it. So, you know, we'd get with whoever we were working with and, and figure it out to, to get the storyline over. But we had a lot of freedom, um, and a lot of what we did was, was us, was coming from us. Um, you know, if we had storylines we wanted to do, we were able to call and, and present them and – like I said, if Russo liked them, it got used. And fortunate enough that a lot of the stuff we wanted to do, we were allowed to do. Well, that's excellent. I mean, I think that's uh, probably the biggest problem with uh, wrestling today is I, I don't think the guys get to have as much input as uh, as you guys and the the generation that I was a you know, really huge fan of the 80s. Those guys got to really run with what they wanted to do, and, and I think it made all the difference in the world. Um, I won't keep you any longer. I thank so much for all the stories today, and uh, thanks to uh, Tommy and Jay, as always, for bringing us a great show. Thanks uh, Again, uh, thanks for talking to us this morning, Mosh. Take care. No, thanks, thanks, Brian. thanks for calling in. I appreciate the question. I, I'll tell you what, man, for a last second guest, Jay, uh, Chaz is over big time, huh? Listen, I, I'm, I just texted Tommy off air saying, I can't believe he pulled off this level of a guest last minute. This has been <laughs> absolutely a phenomenal show. The calls have been lighting up. But I second what Brian said from California. You are one heck of a storyteller, Mosh. Incredibly interesting. I could talk to you and listen to your stories for hours upon hours. I cannot thank you enough for taking time to meet with us this morning. No, I appreciate it. Um, it's funny. Tonight I'm doing a thing down in, in Fort Lauderdale, um, and there's four other, like, NFL, former NFL players there. And I'm kind of laughing because I know a couple – I've met a couple of them, and personality-wise, I'm like this – I'm wondering, like, how much fun this is going to be tonight because I just know me – this is just me, and this is how it went. And especially if I get going, I'm like, this is going to be fun tonight. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, yeah, well, good times. Well, thank you again so much for, for joining us last second. And anyone that lives in the New Jersey area will have the opportunity to see the Headbangers in action tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. at the Totowa PAL in Totowa, New Jersey, the ISPW Arena, when they challenge the now 
for the ISPW World Tag Team title. Uh, this is the first time you guys are wrestling in Jersey in a while, right? Um, yeah, it's been a while. So, I mean, we did a couple of things for the Monster Factory. Um, but, yeah, it's been a couple of years since we've been, especially up north. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Awesome, man. Well, I, I can't wait to see you tomorrow. And, uh, again, thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow in Totowa, man. No problem. Thank you, too. Looking forward to it, and I'll see everyone tomorrow. All right, Chas. Thanks again, man. All right. Talk to you guys soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Bye. And there you have it, Jay. Last second guess, and, man, did he deliver. He, I, I'm with you, man. I could listen to him talk all day long. He's, he's a fantastic storyteller. And you got to appreciate guys who obviously respect the business. They're passionate about the business, but they're not afraid to, to tell it like it is. And he's one of those guys that, like he said, is just – it's just him being him. He's as real as it gets. And so you know when he tells you a story that it's fact, that it happened, and it's just guys like that, they lived such a cool life, and for them to be taking the time to share it with all of us, I'm totally appreciative. I don't know how you pulled that off last second, Tommy, but uh, for those of you, I know some of our callers off the air, when I would answer the call to get their name and number, they would say, you know, what happened to the genius? And so I would tell them, got his cell phone stolen, so couldn't join us. But, man. Could not have worked out any better for us. What an entertaining morning, Thomas. I don't know how you did it, but I'm happy you did. Oh, he was he was great, man. I, I have I have breaking news. You ready for this? Breaking news. Got... You you stole the genius's cell phone. <laughs> no, but the breaking news <laughs> has to do with the genius. All right, Tomorrow, lay it on me. This is the first time I'm announcing this. I didn't, I'm going to send out a press release later today on it. Tomorrow night at the ISPW Arena at the Totua PAL in Totua, New Jersey, we are going to have, check this out, Coco Beware against the genius Lanny Poffo in a singing contest versus a poem. <laughs> so Coco Beware is going to sing and perform Pile Driver live tomorrow night. At the Totua PAL in Totua, New Jersey, the genius is going to do a poem, and then the fans are going to get to decide which one they like better, the uh, Coco's song or Lanny's poem, Tomorrow at ISPW. Can you believe that? That is, that is pure entertainment, Tommy. I am jealous of everyone that gets to see that live and in person. At your first 80s con, I was, I was able to listen to – uh, Coco Beware sing, and he is a heck of a singer, and he pours his heart into that performance. And so I know that's going to be over the top. But then when you follow it up with an original poem by the smartest man in the world, the genius Lanny Papo, <laughs> that's too much entertainment for one night, brother. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's going to be tomorrow night. And uh, the main event of the evening will be the superstar, Danny Morrison, with Maven in his corner and Dave LaGreca. Uh, defending the ISPW World Heavyweight title against Justin Carino. We're going to see Mosh and Thrasher, the Headbangers, challenge the now for the ISPW Tag Team titles. We're going to have a new ISPW Women's Champion crown tomorrow night, Jay. Uh, unfortunately, Vicious Vicky has suffered an injury. She has to forfeit the title tomorrow night. And we're going to crown a new champion when Adina Steele goes one-on-one with the Gift of Gab Gabby Ortiz. We're going to see Crowbar going one-on-one with Tracks. You're also going to see Sean Donovan defend the ISPW Tri-State Championship against LSG. Also tomorrow, 
Salvatore Sincere, Sal Sincere from the WWF days, will be teaming up with King Kalua and also Michael Mars, managed by the winner Andy Weinberg. They are the Winners Club, and they will be taking on L. Uh, they'll be taking on GKM and Leo Sparrow. Also tomorrow, former WWF Cruiserweight Champion Nunzio will be in action against Rick Recon. And more action tomorrow night again. The ISPW Arena in Total, New Jersey, the Total of PAL. Tickets will be available at the door. It's going to be a good show, man. I'm looking forward to it. That sounds like an incredible show. And I don't know if I should call you and get the results or if I should just stay tuned for the next episode of ISPW Sunday Night Slam, man, because I'm going to want to see this stuff uh, on my TV screen. And so I can't wait for this show, man. I'm excited for you. Uh, thank you, man. And again, uh, ISPW Sunday Night Slam debuted this past Sunday on YouTube. So if you haven't had an opportunity to check it out yet, just go to YouTube and type in ISPW Sunday Night Slam, and uh, you can check the first episode out. Scotty Tuhati is on the first episode, challenging Danny Morrison for the ISPW World Heavyweight title and also tracks an H.C. Loke in a strap match. Speaking of H.C. Loke, he'll be in action tomorrow, too when he goes one-on-one with Bull James. So it's going to be a big show tomorrow, and it's going to be a busy weekend here in New Jersey for me, man. We have the ISPW show tomorrow. Then on Sunday, check this out, Lanny Poffo, Tony Atlas, and Earl Hepner will all be at the Wrestling Collector from 2 to 5 p.m. And then on Monday, Monday Night Virtual with Tony Atlas and Lanny Poffo uh, from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on our Facebook page. You can go to our website now, 80swrestlingcon.com, and uh, you can click on uh, that, and you can order pictures and watch Lanny and Tony personalize them for you live on the air this Monday night, and then we ship them out to you following uh, the broadcast. Yeah, man, it's going to be a busy weekend here in New Jersey. A busy weekend, but an exciting weekend and an entertaining one. Uh, listen, I hope you take time to enjoy it. I know there's going to be a lot of hustle and bustle going on on your end, but I hope you find time to enjoy it because it's big. This is a big weekend for you, brother. Absolutely. And uh, again, uh, tomorrow night, ISPW, March Madness at the Totoa PEL, Toto, New Jersey, the Headbangers in action against the now. It's going to be a fun show. And Jay, I hope that you and your family have a great weekend. What do you, what do you got cooking this weekend? Same thing every weekend, Tommy. I, I live the, the life of a guy who tends to work hard on the weekends and then take it easy a little bit during the week. And so I'm kind of the reverse of uh, the average working man. But I'll be at my place working hard this weekend, helping people uh, relax and enjoy their free time. And then I'll just be thinking about what's going on in New Jersey with the ISPW show, the amazing signing. And I got to tell you, I'm looking forward to Monday night like no other. I love the virtual signings. They're, they've all been amazing. They've all been entertaining. But when you get the genius and Mr. USA sitting down together, I think it's going to be a riot. So I'm definitely <laughs> tuning in Monday night to that one. Especially with Ryan Marr as the host. You know, you know, right? I know. With those three guys, who knows what's going to be talked about. It, it, it will be an interesting episode of Monday Night Virtual this Monday night for sure. <laughs> and then uh, after that, it's the road to 80s Wrestling Con Live on May the 7th at the Menon Sports Arena, Morristown, New Jersey. We're going to have some, definitely have some guests in the next four or five episodes here on the show uh, to promote 
the big 80s wrestling con on May the 7th. But until then, man, hope you have a great weekend with your family. I hope you get a lot of customers at your spot this weekend. And I'll definitely be texting you uh, during the weekend to let you know how everything's going. Fantastic. And until next Thursday, uh, you guys have a great week. Hope to check you guys out. This weekend, if you're in the New Jersey area, tomorrow ISPW, Sunday at the Wrestling Collector, and Monday worldwide for Monday Night Virtual. Until then, we will talk to you. And uh, just remember, it doesn't matter how you slam. What matters is who's slamming who right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.